0: Well good morning everyone, welcome to the JAR, my name is Chris, and we're so glad that you chose to hang out with us. Uh, today, right after the celebration, we're going to have uh, First Steps with Chris, which will happen right uh, in the JAR Cafe with drinks, and uh, snacks we're at. And so, uh, with love for you to come, And so if you haven't connected in a while, uh, or I haven't met you, uh, please come and be a part of that lunch, and child care uh, will be provided. Also, I just want to say it up front, so that you'll know what is going to happen. At the end of our time uh, today, we're going to have a chance to worship a little more, and we're going to have some prayer time. And so, uh, if there's something uh, in your life that has been um, in need of some prayer, uh, we're going to provide that for you. So I'd like to begin this morning with this question, that'll come up on the side screen, and uh, you can look at it there. Where do you look for love? Where do you look for love? I mean, the kind of love that just, like, fills your heart, makes you want to dance, and changes your life. When I started college, uh, one of the things that I realized at Manchester College campus is that everyone was looking for love. And the goal was to find the one by the end of your senior year. And so I started the process of looking for the one I could love. And the freshman year, and sophomore year, and junior year came, and I did not find that one. And finally, my senior year came, and I'm like, well, this is about it. You know, this is my only chance. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to find the one in college, I'm gonna have to wait until after. And then, all of a sudden, God kind of brought love knocking on my door in my wife, Jennifer. And we have a couple of pictures here, I think, when we were dating. My youngest daughter came up to me and she said, you had a mustache, and you scared people this far. <laughs> well, I don't know what that means, but uh, I guess I don't have that anymore. Well, we started dating, and then uh, a year later, we got engaged, and ten months after that, we were married. And on our wedding day, my heart was filled, and my life was changed. And on July twenty third, nineteen ninety four. They hear stories, and they share their story, and they put their name on a dating website. Now, just a moment of truth, uh, how many of you have ever been on a dating website before? Ray? Okay, raise your Don't be ashamed. Raise right <laughs> your hand. Okay. We might find a match for you today. Okay. I don't know. Just <laughs> like Well, whether it is match.com, plenty of this Zoom, Okay, Cupid, Christian people, or something else. People today are looking for love through these dating sites. Now, all of these sites, well, you get a date. But the number one site that I heard from people more than anything else, that if they were looking for a lasting love and a long-term relationship and a healthy kind of uh, connection, that many of these people were going to this site, eHarmony. And several years ago, we had a person on our staff named Emily, who uh, helped as my administrative assistant. And she actually uh, got on this site and she found her future husband. You know, they might be on a commercial one day, like all the rest of them. You know?
1: And here they are, and I was talking to her this
0: week, and I said, tell me a little bit about your experience when you were looking for love on e. Harmony." And she said, well, when I signed up for eHarmony, I was at a place in my life where I could commit to a long-term relationship. I wanted to be purposeful for finding a mate, not just wanting uh, to meet a nice guy in class or work or church. eHarmony is very, very specific and thorough. You have to answer all kinds of questions. It's a paid service, and they ask you questions about your personality, your preferences, and your beliefs. And this was the reason I chose eHarmony. Because it was more intentional in trying to find someone who was compatible with you. I didn't want a weekend hookup, she said. I wanted a partner for life. And since the Harmony is a paid service, it minimized the players, she said. So I guess there must be players on dating websites. I don't know. I haven't had to go that way. But, uh, then she said this well, I didn't find a player. But I found the love of my life in my husband, Rob. I think we have a picture of him. Now, you might be sitting there right now and like, Wow, Chris, you're a pastor? It sounds like you did a lot of research on (laughs) the websites this week. I am and concerned about you, you know. Um, Well, the reason I did this folks, is because we're in this series on confidence. And in particular, we're looking at this guy named Jacob. And last week, we learned about his messed up family and how his uh, dad saw his older brother, Esau, as his favorite. And then Jacob saw, or uh, his mom saw him as her favorite. And there was jealousy and unresolved conflict and discussion, And he leaves from that place and has this hole in his heart that is broken. And there is this anger going on with his brother. And finally, Jacob uh, gets to the point where his brother wants to kill him. And so Jacob leaves. He takes off. And he's looking for love. And some of you might know this story because it's a pretty crazy story. He looks for one, but then he... Gets with his, that one sister, and so it's sister and sister, and then two maids, and finally it's like four women that he's married to, and it's kind of really messed up thing, and it's all in the Bible, okay? And it just made me wonder while I was looking at this that in looking at Jacob's story, maybe it would have been a lot different had e-harmony existed back then. Because they wouldn't have just been looking for looks or, you know, that kind of thing, but there would have been this connection here that goes deeper. Because I learned this week that the guy who actually started eHarmony was a guy by the name, or is a guy by the name of Neil Gordon. And he's a famous psychologist, and uh, he's also, something i found out interesting, is the devout follower of Jesus. And he's 83 years old, and he's been married to his wife for 59 years. And he said that the number one goal that he had when they actually put this business plan together was to simply help people to find love. And the process of e-harmony is that they take 29 different variables, put them together, and it's really intense, and then try to find someone that you can be compatible with. Now, Neil states that there is no great marriage that he's ever seen that didn't have at least five of these compatible variables. And so, folks looking for love, although it seems like it's an easy thing, if you're single or you struggle with that, you know it's not as easy as you think. And I think the reason our culture struggles with this so much is because we're very, uh, we're, we're a culture that struggles with being patient. To find compatibility. It's very, very hard for us to be patient to find someone that we're compatible with. Because the reality is, when you're looking for love, the first place that you need to look is not out there playing the field, but the first place you need to look is inside here in yourself. Your emotional and spiritual health always start with your self-concepts, your identity. You have to be able to say, you know what, I, I feel like I'm something worth to God, and because of that, I want to be real and authentic with all of the relationships that are in my life. And you can't be a pretender like Jacob was.
1: You have to be able to make courageous
0: decisions that are consistent with what your values are. Decisions that honor God and that don't compromise the values that you have to try to please somebody else. Now last week we looked at this little phrase called always confident. And we had a little card that we gave to everybody if you didn't get one. I'd encourage you to get one. I have mine uh, in my car on the dashboard. i encourage you to put it up somewhere. Because what we want to answer today is how do I learn to live an authentically confident life within my relationships? Now part of the reason why many of us struggle with having confidence in this is because for many of us what we're doing is we're carrying spiritual and emotional baggage from our past. And we carry this very much into our future if we're not careful. And you can see that that's what Jacob did. Jacob was carrying all this baggage from his family, spiritual, emotional baggage. And you can see this today in which people will think things like this. Well, the reason that I'm hurt right now is because I wasn't the favorite in my family. Or I can't express emotion because there was too much dysfunction in my family, or I don't know how to deal with conflict because conflict was never resolved in my family, or I have trouble with authority figures, I get real defiant and rebellious because there was no discipline in my family, or I have a hole in my heart that just needs to get filled. And so what people do is they carry their baggage on their back, and then they have this idea I'll just get married, or I'll start living with someone, and that will fix all my problems. I'll find this person, and they'll make me feel so good that they will fill up this hole in my heart, and I'll leave the baggage from my past behind, and I can start over, and it'll be great. And it works for a while. It may work for a few days, It may work for a few weeks, it may work for a few months, it may work for a few years. But then you find out that marriage or this relationship you're in doesn't resolve my problems. Marriage reveals my problems. Let me say that again. Finding the relationship doesn't resolve my problems. It simply reveals how messed up I am.
1: So here we go.
0: The story of Jacob. Where do you look For love. Well, remember from last week, he runs away from home. He's all by himself. His brother's after him. And he senses that he needs someone to show up. And God does in this vision. God reaches down to him in this vision. And he lets him know, Jacob, I love you. I'm always going to be with you. Just like you'll be with everyone in this place. And he says, but even though that happens, Jacob, you may not be spiritually mature. That may not be quite mature. So he leaves, and he eventually winds up with his uncle Laban. And he sees where his uncle lives, and he notices there is a well where water is in it. Now, in the ancient world, the well was the place where boy meets girl stories happen. The well was kind of like e-harmony today in the ancient world. So Jacob goes to this well. He sees all of these sheep that are his uncle Laban's. And then he spots
1: Rachel.
0: Woo! Woo! She is hot! And Jacob doesn't know how to handle them. Now, interesting story about shepherds in the Bible. If you look at all the history of shepherds in the Bible, what you will find is that they're always male. It's always a man. It's a man's occupation. Abraham was a shepherd. Isaac was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. David, when he was younger, was a shepherd. Everybody in the Bible who is a shepherd is a man except... Rachel. Her dad, Laban, even had servants that were taking care of the seed, but Rachel was her own woman, and she was confident enough to say I'm going to take on this occupation, even though it's a man's filling. And we're going to see that Rachel is a confident person who is the tough cookie, and that, from her lineage, comes all the way into Jesus Christ himself. Now, as we look at this story this morning, what I want you to do is something a little bit different. We don't have a big idea, but I want you to understand the characters, because you will probably relate with some of them, and we're going to look at what their role is and how they were described. So the first one is Jacob, who we talked about last week and this week. And he was a seeker of love. He's looking for love, a seeker of love. And in Genesis chapter 29, this is what we read. When Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of his uncle Laban, he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle sheep. Then Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. Now, this is a kind of an unusual dating approach. I don't want to encourage any of the men in this place. If you take someone out and you give a kiss, don't then (laughs) go, because this is the reality. You're not going to get a second date, okay? It just won't happen. But Jacob is a long way from home and he's very vulnerable. We talked last week about vulnerability and authority. And he's very, very vulnerable. And maybe he thinks, this is the woman who's going to finally fill this hole that's in my heart. So Rachel is interested, cry baby, and all. And she takes him, crying to her dad, Laban. Now in Laban, we find a very interesting character. Jacob's grandfather, a guy by the name of Abraham actually sent his servants out to a well one day to be able to find someone for his son Isaac. So Jacob's mom, Rebecca, and his dad, Isaac, did e at the well also. And this is how it happened. Abraham's servant gave Rebecca an extremely expensive gold nose ring and grass, uh, and uh, gold bracelets. And this is what the text says. Rebecca had a brother named, what was his name? Laban. And he hurried out to the man of the street. As soon as he saw the gold nose ring and the gold bracelets on his sister's arms, he said to this man, come, you who are blessed by the Lord. In other words, when Laban saw the bling, he got religious. When you see the bling, he gets religious. And what we find that takes place is that something changes. Can you just imagine a culture where men would put gaining financial success above the well-being of their own families? Like today. How twisted is it? Well, it's all over this story. It's all over Genesis. It's all over our present-day culture. And here we finally get the description of Laban. And this is it. He is the tricky, greedy uncle. How many of you have an uncle who's a little... Don't raise your hand, okay? But, you know, he's just a little shady, a little tricky, a little greedy. Well, that's who this guy is. And then a whole generation later... Rebecca has her boy Jacob come to the exact same well. And he sees this girl, Laban's daughter, Rachel. But Jacob has run away from home. And this is the difference between him and his dad. Jacob has no money. He has no blame. He has nothing to try to get this girl. So Laban invites Jacob to his home and says hey you can work and I'll keep you up for a month or so. And they do this and then after about a month, Laban says to Jacob, as long as you're going to stick around and work for me, you probably should get paid. So let's go ahead and we're going to negotiate a contract, a salary. And so Laban asks him, what do you want? And look at what happens next.
1: Now Laban had two daughters
0: the name of the older one was Leah, and the name of the younger one was Rachel. Leah had weak eyes. In other words, her eyes were dull. There was no sparkle in her at all. But Rachel had a lovely figure and was, what's the word? She was beautiful. Jacob was in love with Rachel.
1: And he said, I'll work for you seven years
0: in return for your younger daughter, So it's like this arranged marriage. I'm going to work for you. You're going to give me your daughter. And the thing is, I looked up this week, that seven years was extremely expensive for a bride. You wouldn't work that long. But the problem is, Jacob's like, Rachel, Rachel, my lovely Rachel, I will work however long seven years. Oh, that's okay. And so, he's like, seven years ago. He is crazy bad in love with her. And then the text continues on. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to some other man. So Jacob served seven years to get Rachel. But they seemed like only, what is that? Just a few days. But when you're in love, just a few days and that an afterward, birth. Two because of this love for her. And so for seven years, everywhere, that jacob went he was thinking of rachel because rachel is the one that jacob loves rachel is the beautiful one jacob is the one who loves her he dreams about her he gazes toward her and every single day he sees her from a distance and he's just infatuated with her it's like rachel 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 always on my mind and he wants her. And so he goes ahead and he works those seven years. It just means like nothing because he's so in love with her. And Jacob goes to Laban and finally at the end of those seven years and he demands his wife. So Laban like puts on this great big feast, And I'm assuming there must have been a lot of alcohol there. And people were getting trashed and wasted. Because look at what happens next. But when evening came. Laban took his daughter Leah and gave her to Jacob. And Jacob made love to her. When morning came, there was Leah. Yikes! I think I drank too much. So Jacob wanted Rachel, but he wakes up to Leah and says to Laban, what is this that you've done to me? I served you for Rachel. Did not you have deceived me? I told you he's a sensitive guy. He's a whiner. Now, this is what I love. If you were here last week, that's why it's important to come this week, because then you'll get the full story. But if you were here last week, remember, we said. That Jacob was a deceiver, even in the womb. Remember, he was trying to grab his twin brother's leg and pulling him back. And the word Jacob means grabber or deceiver. Jacob cheated his brother. He, he deceived he his father. father. He connived his mother. And now he has the goal to say, frankly, I'm that I am just shocked that you would have been so deceitful that you would have done such a thing. Again, he says. So, Later replied, it is not our custom here to give the younger daughter in marriage before the older one. Finish this daughter's bridal week, then we will give you the younger one also in return for another what? Seven years of work. So he's like, I already worked seven years, I No! You're not going to get him. You're going to get other. Now, irony. What happened last week? Jacob goes into his father's little hut. And he's acting like Esau. He smells like Esau. He looks like Esau like because he wants the inheritance. And he was tricky and greedy just like his Uncle Laban. But now, the trick is on Jacob. He is the victim. And Laban deceives Jacob into thinking that the older child, Leah, was really the younger child, Rachel. What happens? The con man gets outcome. And you know what? to learned a very valuable lesson. You read what you saw. You read what well, then the story goes on. Jacob made love to Rachel also, and his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. Now let's talk about Leah. Here number two. This is how she's described: The one that was <coughs> not loved. The one that was not loved. Just like Jacob grew up being the one that his father didn't love, now Leah's identity is the one who was not loved. Her identity is, I'm not Rachel. I'm not pretty like Rachel. Rachel got all the boys looking at her, not me. I mean, just imagine growing up in a culture where your self-worth as a woman based only on your physical appearance, body image, body type, the shape of your face, your skin, your age, and your race. It's all about the outside. Even though our external characteristics have nothing to do with our soul, but the outside looks based in this culture depended on whether you were fond of her or you were just ignored. A couple years ago, I had some precancerous cells uh, on my forehead, and uh, my doctor froze them off. But when they did this freeze, uh, there's this like big, gigantic red mark on my forehead for the next few days. And when I would be walking around, people would look at me, and, you know how like people look at you? And they're like, they want to say something, but they don't know what to say. And this is what the, most of them said, you don't look so bad. <laughs> well, after a couple of days of people telling me, You don't look so bad, it kind of gets to you, you know? Like you start having a little bit of a conflict. I mean, just try it this week. Walk up to people randomly, look at them, just go, You don't look so bad. You know? I mean, it's not a good thing. Well, Rachel was the one that had all the boys like blowing up her phone, texting her, letting her know all the compliments. But Leah got at best this. You look so bad. So imagine a culture where getting married and having children is the only dream that a woman really has. I mean, think about what confidence you might have in a life like that. Then imagine a world having your own father believe that the only way that he can marry you off is to fool your sister's fiance into sleeping with you by mistake. Because when Jacob woke up that morning, when the morning came, there was sleep. Folks, can you imagine behind those windows. Jacob thinks that he's getting Rachel, the one that he loves, but when he woke up in the morning, there was sleep. When the morning came, Leah wonders, kind of lying there in bed thinking, well maybe now, Jacob will love me. What will Jacob say? Maybe he'll be kind, maybe he'll be concerned, maybe he'll be tender, maybe he'll see the brokenness that's in my heart. Maybe, just maybe, he will choose me. Maybe Jacob will choose me this time. But he doesn't. And his love for Rachel was greater than his love for me. But at this point, this story is messed up. I mean, Jacob's messed up, Laban's messed up, Rachel's messed up, and Leah is definitely messed up. And then finally, we come to the final character, the main character of the story. Actually, he's the main character of every story in this place, whether you know it or not. He's the main character of this story and every story, and that's God. And in verse 31, we read When the Lord saw that Leah was not loved. Folks, none of the other characters saw this. Jacob didn't see it. Rachel didn't see it. Layla didn't see it. Only God. Because God is the one who sees all. God sees. God cares. God knows. God knows.
1: Whole identity has been. I'm not Rachel.
0: I'm not the pretty one. I'm not the one that all the boys are wanting after. I'm the one Jacob doesn't love. But God sees and God says, "I'm going to do something for this little overlooked, under young woman, and she has to give the children." Leah, Leah desires so much to be loved by Jacob, but she doesn't know how to make it happen. And this has been happening for hundreds of years by millions of people, spouses, relationships, and it's still happening today. And some of you know the aching pain of wanting to have that one special person love you. And they don't. Listen to the text. Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, For she said, It is because the Lord has seen my misery, surely my husband will love me now. And look at the pain that's happening there. Surely, she thinks, that his eyes are going to light up on me now like his eyes lit up for Rachel. Surely now he's going to hold me. Surely now he's going to whisper things to me. Surely now he's going to fix Relationship. But he doesn't. The text goes on. She conceived again, and when she gave birth to a son, she said, Because the Lord heard that I am not loved, he gave me this one too. She named him Simeon. Because the Lord heard that I was not loved. Maybe, maybe this time, maybe, maybe, just maybe this time, Jacob will love me. Again, she conceived, and when she gave birth, to a son, she says, Now at last my husband will become attached to me, because I have borne him three sons, so she names him Levi. Here she's having these children because she's wanting so much to please her husband. Maybe finally he would love me like he does my sister. Maybe now there would be this opening in my wounds that would be healed. It goes on. She conceived again, the one that was not father. And when she gave birth to a son, she says, This time I will praise the Lord. So she named him Judah. Then she stopped having children. The fourth child comes and her heart is breaking so much because even though she thinks she's giving the greatest gift to Jacob, Jacob wants nothing finally she says, well maybe there's one character, one character in the story, who would love me for just a minute. And the text says, this time, I'll praise the Lord. But remember, it's only the Lord, it's only the Lord that is able to see we the one. I just want to say today if you don't feel loved, like, if you don't feel healed, if you don't feel strong, if you don't feel successful, if you feel like you've been rejected, if you feel like you've been compared to other people in your lives, if you don't feel smart, if you don't feel as successful, if you don't feel like you have any confidence compared to your friends, If you simply feel all alone, this is what I want you to know. If you feel all alone, the Lord sees. The Lord sees. The Lord acts, He knows, He cares exactly where you're going. And the Lord will be with Leah just like He will be with you. Now, this doesn't
1: mean that But the rest of Leah's
0: story will be smooth sailing. She's going to have some struggles just like you will as well. So the story goes on. When Rachel saw that she was not bearing Jacob any children, she became jealous of her sister. She said to Jacob, Give me children or I'll die. Now, this is a reasonable request, don't you think? Because Rachel's number one. Rachel's the favorite. Rachel's the one who takes the plots And so, what happens tell Old Testament scholarship is what takes place now is baby wars. The two of them start trying to have as many babies as they can. They start pleased and love Jacob more and more, even to the point of giving him her maids. This is in the Bible, folks, okay? Like you can read it there. I'm not making it up. And they do all of this because they simply want to win. They want the sister to lose and for me to win. And if you have a sister and you're a girl or a woman, you know simply right. You know, folks, when there's a hole in your heart, many times somebody else's success makes you feel worse about yourself. Somebody else's success actually makes you feel worse. It's like rubbing salt into a wound. You're already struggling, and now you see the success of somebody else. And this is where you have to ultimately realize my confidence is not in what I can do or what someone else is doing better than me, but my confidence ultimately is the Lord because I can always be confident in Him even when I'm not confident in myself. See, folks, this story is not a story of human virtue. This is not a story of character development for Jacob and Esau and Isaac and Rebecca and Leah and Rachel and Laban. This story is all about the grace of God. Grace that says this there's nothing I can do to make God love me more. And there's nothing I can do to make God love me less. That God just loves me, no matter what. It's about a God who reaches down to a wounded, frightened, all alone, runaway man named Jacob. And says these words, I am with you, and I will watch over you, wherever you go. This is about a guy who looks down at a young woman who feels holy and unattractive and has been taunted by her sister and has been humiliated by her dad and who is not the one her husband wants. And the Lord saw down and looked upon Leah and he sees her and he says, you are not loved, but you are loved by me because I see all. So this is how we're going to close today going to invite the prayer team to come up and also the band. And today, as you're sitting there, if you feel like a failure, or you feel like you've been rejected, maybe you've been dumped by a guy, or maybe you've been dumped by a girl. Maybe you got turned down for a job. Maybe you've lost your job. Maybe when you go to work, you think that no one else ever sees you. Maybe you slept in the wrong bed. Maybe you slept in a lot of wrong beds lately, and now all of a sudden you're having a hard time having self-respect. Maybe you carry a secret that you've been holding on to, but you don't want anyone else to know that the reality is you're kind of disappointed in your kids because they wounded you so much. Maybe you find yourself being jealous of others. Maybe you find yourself being angry at others. Maybe you find yourself feeling like you're all alone. Maybe you feel like you are afraid. I don't know like what your hurt is today. This is what I want you to know. That God sees you. God sees you. God knows you. God cares about you. And God doesn't want you to continue on with this hurt. And so we invited the prayer team to come up. Because what's going to happen is, we're going to have an extended kind of period of prayer now. And wherever you're hurting, I will invite you to come up and begin some prayer. And these folks will simply ask you two questions. The first one is, What's your name? And then the second one is, Where do you need healing? What do you need healing for? And then you just share that with them and they'll pray for you. And I just want to encourage you. Don't just sit there and wait until I'll go next time, or next week, or next month, or next year. God is here to bring healing to you today. Now I know some of you are thinking right now, well, I don't want to go up there. Because if I do walk forward, people are going to look at me and they're going to go, they're not perfect. Guess what? They already know that. God loves to do. And so I'm going to invite you to stand right now. And the man's going to lead us in a couple of songs. And whenever you feel comfortable, you can come up here and receive prayer. And if today's the very first day where you're like, I'm going to give my life to Christ. Like, I want Jesus to be the one. I'm not confident enough. I need Him. Back in the back is the table where Abby's at. And she would love to pray with you and encourage you. Now I thought about this this week. And a friend of mine kind of encouraged me and said, You know Chris, when you do this, why don't you be first to go and receive some prayer for her? So I am. And then whenever you're ready, I encourage you to come up and pray. And someone will be here. Pray with you. Let's enter the time.